Hello and welcome to the Seems Legit Podcast, hosted by your favorite craft beer drinking, whiskey sipping, bourbon appreciating, sushi eating, steak craving, speedo wearing, tell like it is, poker playing guitarist, the dude himself, the dude signee. Want to give a big shout out and thank you to all of you for the continued and growing support here on the Seems Legit Podcast. Uh, really means a lot to me, so thank you so much. If you aren't already doing so, uh, please follow me on both Twitter and Instagram at the dude Sunny D. Uh, all right, so something I kind of want to talk about is something we can apply in all of our aspects of life, and kind of something I've related to in sports talk, poker talk, various things, but. Just thought I'd talk about it a little more today or on this episode is the idea to successfully be able to project ahead and how important that is. And some of the lessons we've learned in history and some great examples of both being able to project ahead well and not being able to project ahead well and how it's shaped uh, kind of our world around us. Now we kind of have to be cognizant about that in our lives. Uh, thing, you know, some great situations. So let's get into it um, and kind of just see where this conversation takes us today. Uh, but anyway, uh, I kind of wanted to start with that. I just kind of taught what I mean by this idea to project ahead. And I mean by really kind of knowing the steps after your kind of actions. So if you're going to school, being able to project ahead as to what you should be thinking of studying that won't just get you a job now, but what will have a job, what job opportunities there will be upon graduation, upon whatever kind of maybe apprenticeship slash additional kind of training is necessary, what the job prospects look like in 10, 15 years. This is something we can, I think, I look at my generation because I'm kind of now at an age and a stage where I can look back at my peers and look back on myself and kind of see where the decisions from high school and university have led to and how certain people have positioned themselves well and haven't and whatnot. And I think when you go, I looked at my generation and I mean within a, and by my generation that you know, maybe two to three years older than me and after me as being that first one where most people you knew were going off to study some kind of post-secondary education, uh, whether it be trade school, whether it be community college, whether it be full-blown university, I believe we were really that first grouping where more people most people in your class, everything had plans for some degree of post-secondary education, but also were that last grouping of people within that couple, I, I would say that for, that, you know, maybe three to four years older than me and, um, you know, maybe a year after me was that first, was that last generation of people that weren't going to go on to post-secondary, uh, for the foreseeable future, kind of through their last teen years, early adult years. Uh, but we were the first ones where most people were going, but the last of the few where people weren't going to be going. And now I would say when you look at most kind of high school graduating classes, at least in Canada, I would say, and I could be wrong on this, more often than not, people have some, the kids have some degree of post-secondary training that they have in mind that they want to do. And as I said, whether that's trade school um, and learning a trade, whether it be 
you know, I know a friend of mine, she uh, went into hairdressing, you know, couldn't, she wasn't happy in university, could never really kind of make it work, getting momentum going, uh, grades wise, traction wise, what she wanted to study, went and became a hairdresser and is now doing very well. So it's whatever you want to make of your education. I've always been a proponent of that. The To educate means to go out, to seek knowledge, to gain knowledge, to better yourself intellectually. So how you do that is your choice. But we were kind of that first generation where most people were going to go, but there's still that. And then I was part of that group as well. So two groupings there or a subgroup uh, people that you knew, people that weren't going to go to university. So I don't know if they've gone since or whatnot, but that's reality. And I look back now at, you know, when I was getting advice from, you know, older family members of saying, you know, it's not what you do now. It's you have to look to the future and what you're studying. What does this lead to? At the time, it's really hard to project ahead. It really is. And it's one of those things I wish I knew now, uh, or I wish I knew then what I know now. Uh, but we can't. So hindsight's always twenty twenty. So it's just my reflection on it. But there was always certain areas of study. And as it was becoming that, it was like, okay, these are where the jobs are going to go. You know, you want to go into business. You want to go into, you know, law. You want to go into medicine, dentistry, those kind of things, nursing. And you look at the people that thought ahead to go into nursing, right? And, I've, and nurses now make a great living. Um you know, that saw, wait a second, there might be very well be a shortage of nurses. There's, they're going to be hiring more nurses, you know, and the development of nurse practitioners now here in Manitoba, I think it's a Canada wide thing, but uh, I don't know about the States, but with the nurse practitioner development, like I, if I had been able to project ahead or even thought maybe to on that, like that is something I might have considered. Uh, but again, I had no desire to be in the medical profession, but I might have considered that kind of route uh, more kind of, you know, you're in the trenches kind of medicine. Uh, but anyway, um, I do have, I just have a dislike of blood. I don't know what it was. And anyway, uh, but it, it's a great, I mean, I look at all my friends who have done that or people that I know that have done that. They're all happy, very successful. And they thought ahead, like, wait a second, I'm going to earn a great living, um, the knowledge I gain is so valuable in my day-to-day -day practical life. Um, my girlfriend, Jess, her best friend is a nurse and just the knowledge of having that, um, at home is so valuable, right? What to look for when you have young kids, like what, you know, all of these things, how to treat certain things, you know, all of these things are signs of different illnesses, um, are so, are, is such invaluable knowledge, um, and knowing the practical hands-on, how we treat it or how we get it under control, how we stabilize it is so um, valuable and practical. And that's another aspect too, is having that knowledge that you can both get paid for and is so applicable. Uh, but yeah, you look at that, right? People that went into, you know, certain areas of science, computer science, right? Like I think even when I was going to university, I don't think many people were still going into computer science. Then all of a sudden within a couple of years afterwards, I mean, Facebook was coming out, MySpace was coming out. And those are those trends that those people thought ahead. They saw something. They were like, Hey, this internet thing is going to take off. Like we're not even at the forefront yet of where it could be. And I watched the exponential growth 
of what web-based services and how we connect and interact with information and the availability of information, even from my university days to now, even when I first you know graduated university to now, everything has evolved so much. Um, even year over year, the way things are done, you look at the you know even websites, uh, just how much more developed they are now. All of this stuff, uh, those were the people that really thought ahead. So now people are like, well, if this is the future, now they get into it. And there's also that element of, am I a little too late to the game? So you have to remember that when you're picking a career or a field of study is don't pick something that could be obsolete. Uh, I saw a movie, The Hummingbird Project, recently. Uh, Jess and I went out for a movie date night. And it has, um, oh, the guy from The Social Network, um, Jesse Eisenberg uh, was in it. And it's a great man. And I think one of the Skarsgård brothers is in it too. Peter, maybe Alex. I'm not sure which one, but uh, one of the Skarsgård brothers is in it. And basically, it talked about this premise that back in 2010 or something with the stock market of information and the speed of information and how you had such a tactical edge in the stock market by being able to gain your information faster and how it came down to a millisecond. Well, anyway, I don't want to spoil the movie too much, but that was the premise of it, was just the speed of technology. And uh, I don't know how many people might see it. It was kind of an indie film. Uh, I saw, So I don't know, but it deals with things, you know, the advancement of technology and how quickly when you need to, technology can advance. Um, how far we've come with technology even I look back at what I would have been up to in 2010 versus now. I look at my phone now compared to what I had in 2010. You know, it's amazing. Um, I even look at what my phone can do this year as opposed to last year. And I'm amazed. Uh, but it, it also shows the importance of staying ahead of the game and projecting ahead. And a tactical error made uh, in that movie was that inability to successfully project uh, uh, ahead. Now, whether they... You want to say they, they didn't project ahead correctly or they had an inability to do it. The problem was what they thought was going to happen didn't happen. Um, and they made a big tactical mistake. Uh, and that's huge uh, when you look at aspects of your life is you want to, when you project ahead, you really need to surround yourself. As I've always said, s surrounding yourself with driven, successful people, um, good intention people has benefits. Um, there's a reason why you want to be uh, around other intelligent people. And especially if you can gain guidance from other educated people, you know, they say, right, you know, it, it's something that passes down, right? Educated people tend to raise educated children, so on and so forth. So when you look at that, um, you really want to be able to get as much knowledge from people as possible. And I remember myself looking at that. Um, when I was and, and asking people, and I mean, some of the advice I got was relevant. Some of it was irrelevant. Some of it was a little dated, but there, it, it gives you food for thought. And, and that's part of that idea of seeking information, right? And when you're being, making decisions, you're not making a decision for now. You're making a decision for 10 steps for now, you know, and it's no different than how, you know, approaching anything in life. Um, even when you approach poker. 
you're not making a decision for this hand. You're pro you're projecting the entire game ahead, the tournament ahead. How this decision here puts you in position at the end, and that's what separates the elite players from the rest. Uh, or that's one of the aspects is being able to project ahead, and that's what um, separates successful people from sometimes unsuccessful people is that ability to project ahead well. And in this movie, it was a great lesson of that. And I, so it inspired this talk today about that idea. And I just wonder sometimes now when you look at computer science, you have to think, okay, wait a second. This is a great field. So what do the prospects look like? What is going to be created? You look at things like engineering. You know, there's this, we're at a fork now where technology and engineering are both kind of moving at such an exponential pace and how we build things, what we build, what we build things to do. Um, I think it was Elon Musk. Uh, he, uh, yes, what, well, it was Elon Musk. I just can't remember if it was on a pot on Joe Rogan's podcast or in a separate interview. But I mean, if you have a chance to listen to Elon Musk, I think the guy's truly brilliant. Um, I think it was Neil deGrasse Tyson that said he might be the most important, uh, scientist since Darwin. Like, um, he, he is one of the brilliant minds of all time. And I think that's one of the nice things is in life when you can learn to put your ego aside, you can really appreciate uh, so many things around you and being able to understand just you have your small little niche to carve out. Uh, and I'm not, I don't always practice this myself. I'm, I'm very guilty sometimes of, uh, uh, of not uh, keeping things in perspective. But uh, regardless, what I'm saying is completely valid. Learning to keep things into perspective and understanding your perspective um, or your piece of the entire perspective is very important in, in being able to appreciate what others can do and what others are doing, what others contribute to your life and around your life um, and being able to reflect. And, you know, they do say there is wisdom with age and that is 100% true. I've learned that myself. So when... Uh, you look at someone like an Elon Musk, who is absolutely brilliant, as he says, I want to build the machines that build the other machines. And or something along those, that line he said. And seeing how a lot of the problems we, we've seen for so long as being this type of problem science related is actually this type of problem. You know, this isn't a physics problem. It's an engineering problem. Or this isn't a mechanical problem. This is a whatever kind of problem. You know, all of these things, all the things he's trying to do, like the Hyperloop, um, the space exploration. Uh, the Hyperloop is nice. Uh, it's great because it, it deals with things right on Earth. Um, I think also, too, humanity's kind of realizing that we've been doing a lot of consuming without really efficiency. And now as we try to get more efficient, people like him are very important in trying to come up with more efficient ways of, of preserving our planet, uh, which, as we know, due to global warming, is going to shit. Um, which brings you to another aspect of, of survival, right? And, and thinking of the idea of space exploration, right? And, and how he has the SpaceX. And I think there's a contest to inhabit uh, Mars recently or a few years ago. And I get it. You know, we need to be pushing forward. Um, the problem is, is are we there yet in science? And how quickly can we get there? Um, and I think it was somebody, I forget which scientist it was that said, um, the, the, the problem with space exploration and, and astrophysics, all this, is the more we learn and discover and figure out, the more we also figure out how much we don't know. 
So the more we know, the more we also know what we, how much we don't know. And it's kind of a curse um, in itself. And we have to figure out, so as you're figuring out what you are knowing, you're also figuring out what you don't know. And that's, I mean, or how much you don't know. So there, we, we, we've reached an impasse now where technology is advancing, um, how we get information has advanced. Engineering is reaching these new um, advancements, but also, again, there's also those fears of robots and will the machines take over and all of these things. I think as human beings, we kind of have to understand is keep that in perspective as well, right? Is how much advancement helps us, how much doesn't. Um, automation can be a great thing. Automation can also take away jobs. Uh, you're seeing more and more in places like Vegas automated blackjack tables where they have just a recording of a dealer, you know, and it's all machine done. Uh, it really changes things. It really puts things into perspective. Uh, when you see a table games pit taken away because they put in more slot machines because they're more profitable, they're faster, they're more efficient. Uh, so these are all things to remember as well. You know, are you going into an industry that could be obsolete? Um, are you studying something that could be obsolete? So remember that. I'm not just saying that about computer science. Like computer science is very important. I think it's a great industry to be studying. I think a lot of the sciences are, a lot of the social sciences are. But just look at where you see yourself and where you see what you're studying taking you. Um, it's one thing to get educated, uh, which I value and I think everybody should. Um, it's another thing to make sure you, you know, you're applying and being able to use what you uh, educate yourself with. And uh, education can be a very powerful tool and is a very powerful tool, uh, but again, at the same time, can be, uh, you know, a curse in itself, right? And you see these people falling into, you know, they call them these black holes of time um, in their education, right? Or becoming professional students. Uh, there, there comes a point where you need to be able to project ahead and say, how can me doing this provide an income of this and a lifestyle of this? So keep that in mind and I you know how many things again around us are we seeing you know you, the game has already moved on by the time you bring it to the table we've already moved on from that so just always keep that in mind uh, about when you're going into studying um, education is very expensive uh, I think they were saying something about how expensive it is in Canada uh, it's expensive in the states right so uh, I've always been a fan of uh, the idea of if you're going to go to university, make sure you, you're making those dollars work for you and that you're being able to do it and, and study things that, when applied, can earn you a decent living and a proper living. Uh, that's very important in my opinion. So keep that in mind. Um, I mean, that's the best advice I've always got too as well. Don't just go there to fart around. I mean, make sure you're doing that. And I was guilty, I mean, of, of farting around a little bit, but... You know, you pick yourself up and you look at those, and even when you look at those decisions you make at 17, 18, you know, I've, I've had uh, people I went to high school with who, yeah, you know, they were sacrificing how they looked popularity wise in high school. You know, they got teased or made fun of for being the smarty pants or the nerd or whatever it might be. You know, they might not have been the biggest, they, so they weren't doing the party. They weren't doing all that. They didn't give a shit about that. They plowed through university, you know, they weren't going out partying on the weekends, they were studying hard, and, you know, so their 20s go away, you know, they want to do something, medicine or law, now all of a sudden they're in their 30s, 
you know, they've taken care of themselves. You know, they've done the, you know, they've exercised, eaten well, taken care of themselves. They have a great profession. They, and now not only that, they're at a point of maturity where they can really truly enjoy things. They've been exposed to life experiences and they have the means to provide. So imagine that. So that's kind of those things, right? And where people, you know, I use the expression, I heard it once uh, used by Dana White when describing uh, in an interview talking about a UFC situation. And it's very true that people find themselves very guilty at times of stepping over dollars to pick up dimes because they're too nearsighted and can't project ahead. And how many times we do that to ourselves? Oh, I'm just going to take a year off from school or two years off from school. Oh, I might go back or, oh, I can get a job paying X amount right now and then not being able to project 10, 15 years down the road, right? And they always say that there's that value, there's that investment, hopefully, to the education you're getting that eventually the longer you're there and the more you're investing, that the payoff at the end is bigger. And I mean, for the most part, that is true. Um, I mean, there are a lot of doctors that do get themselves into some problems with student loans, all of that. But I truly believe that's a different issue uh, in terms of just the pure... Um, investment of time and in, into yourself it pays dividends you know you come out of it you're 30 years old and you're making more than everybody you know you know unless someone you know made it famous you're probably the highest earner you knew and you have the rest of your life earning good money uh being able to afford all the nice things and yeah being able to compensate a little bit for those missed 20s i can say this of all the wasted time things i did in my 20s None of them do I look back on. Like the things I truly feel like, yeah, I, that was a waste of time. I don't look back on them and think, yeah, no, I, I still am value. I, I am happy I did that. I'm happy I did that over not wasting my time. No, no, no. You'll always look back at wastes of time and be like, hey, I, uh, I could have done without that, and that that added nothing to my life whatsoever. So you want to try and cut those out. And this, uh, so this by you know, and it's never too late, as a lot of people say. And I know there's a lot of you know, those self-help guys, and maybe I am a bit of a self-helper myself, but um, that idea of it's never too late, it isn't. It's just the matter of perspective at a certain point. As we get older, we know that, yeah, the clock is, is ticking forward. It's always in a forward motion. Now you have to be more efficient with things. You have to be able to plow ahead a little bit harder, a little bit faster. All of these things are expected of you, you know, um, you know, it's no different than in sports when you see the guy hit their 30s, right? Oh, is he done? Oh, is he now second liner? Oh, is he going to score 50 goals again? How many people thought, you know, four years ago were writing off Alex Ovechkin saying he wasn't going to have any more 50-goal seasons? I mean, the guy's already scored another 50-goal season this year. Eight of them in his career. I think only Bossy and Gretzky have more 50-goal um, seasons in their careers. Um, so, like, let's keep this all in perspective here. Um, greatest goal scorer of a generation. People are might even say when it's all said and done, the greatest goal scorer ever. You know, and I've watched his entire career. I mean, if that doesn't put time into perspective for you, what does? Um, so it's just it's it's knowing these things, um, you know, can help you in so many aspects of uh, your life. Uh, kind of moving forward, right? And when you're older, right? So Ovechkin knows that, yeah, people are watching him. It doesn't matter. You know, these guys like, you know, why is Joe Thornton? You know, he has his role. I think he plays on the third line for San Jose. He knows what his job is. He goes out there and does it. Is there some young up-and-comer that wants his job? Absolutely. So he knows 
his window to fuck around in the summer is probably less than the young kid. He knows he has to stay in shape. He has to watch what he eats. He has to stay regimented. Like, these athletes know this. You know, it's like LeBron James. Chris Bosh said it best about LeBron James. People saying, how has LeBron James been able to be in his prime as long as he has? Chris Bosh said it's from years ago. He says, this isn't what he's doing now. It's not at all what he's doing now. It's what he was doing years ago. Look at Tom Brady. It was the changes in lifestyle changes he made and training changes years ago that people were like, what is this lunatic doing? And he has said, I'm playing till I'm 45. Period. You know, and in, in all that, he's won more Super Bowls. Still, you know, getting to the show. When he isn't winning the Super Bowl, he's at least playing in the Super Bowl. You know, like, lest we forget. Yeah. And then in the meantime, other players of his era are ending their careers or have ended their careers. Pete Manning, I think they were saying, has been retired for three or four seasons already. Like, let's put that into perspective. Ray Lewis, retired. Right? So Tom Brady knew back then, wait a second, these are the changes I need to make so that I'm doing this at whatever age. It's that ability to project ahead. Um, it's like I've talked about in hockey with trades. As I said with Winnipeg, when I broke down their trade for Kevin Hayes, I felt that uh, I'd said getting Kevin Hayes and possibly resigning him is, is he better than whatever value pick you're going to get? If you project, you're going to be a final four team again. And at the time it looked like it, they were running away with the central. They had at least a firm grasp atop the central that you're getting a final four pick in, in the draft. Okay. So who are you going to get in that first round that is going to step into the roster in the next two years and be more valuable than Kevin Hayes is now and either Kevin Hayes will be in two years or whatever you work out to getting in exchange for Kevin Hayes. So I think it was a bit of a smart move. Um, I think the Jets collapse recently is kind of retelling it, but I think at the time, given the variables in play and the value of those variables in play at the time, yeah, it was a smart hockey move. It was a good business decision and I've got no problems with it. You know, and that was that ability to project ahead. Do we have enough in the system? Is there a, is the talent pool in this year's draft deep enough that we're going to find someone with that one specific pick? I think all of that is that idea of projecting ahead. So they got Kevin Hayes, and Kevin Hayes has been great. I think of all the big-name acquisitions um, or big acquisitions made at the deadline, he actually is the highest point-getter, which is kind of interesting in itself. So, you know, those are uh, that's something to keep in mind. You look at, as I said, disasters on the other hand, Colorado and Matt Duchesne. Colorado, Ottawa and Matt Duchesne, rather. So Colorado famously traded Matt Duchesne a few years ago um uh to ottawa and the exchange they got uh ottawa's first round pick for this year i believe i believe colorado currently holds ottawa's first round pick this just goes to show how an inability to project ahead can be detrimental so ottawa i think when they made the duchene trade had just it was the year after they had made it to the conference final and felt they were that one maybe step away from being in the show and that can often happen in hockey sometimes or any endeavor. We can overestimate our chances based on 
a Cinderella run based on over play on our part. So we over exceeded our ability. You know, a lot of that can get in the way of being able to project into the future. And I think Ottawa was a little bit guilty of viewing themselves as a little better than they were. Uh, Winnipeg was guilty, I think, of doing that for a little bit. And a lot of teams get guilty of that at various times. Um, but it's, it's it's tough business. So they gave away their pick for this year's first round. They did not expect the implosion of talent the way they did. Um, I don't think they expected in that time period they'd basically lose their top three point getters. Uh, the goalies are all on the, uh, have all been on the way out now. Uh, you know, they don't have, I mean, Craig Anderson's probably the last remaining piece of that core now. Oh, and Bobby Ryan, um, who's managed to somehow fly under the radar now. Like, I don't even remember the last time, uh, he was brought up, uh, sadly. And I, I, I'm a Bobby Ryan fan. I like Bobby Ryan. I think he's an incredibly talented player. Um, I think he's had some off-ice issues, some attitude issues from what they say and what people have said about him that were directly working with him. But, I mean, nobody's perfect. Ottawa projected ahead badly. And now they're going to finish dead last and not even have their pick. Um, like, that's that's not good. Uh, another one is Columbus. I still think they were in a tough position. Uh, they got their cards in. Um, and they got them in badly. I think that's really what happened there. I think they set a trap for themselves and walked right into it. Uh, it happens. It's sad to see. But again, two years out, a year out, they didn't project ahead. And this is what happens. Um, you know, it, it, it is what it is. You know, I remember when the Jets took Mark Shifley. Uh, I was even surprised because Sean Couturier was still available in the draft that year at that time. So I was like, I felt, I think the Jets had the seventh overall pick. I said, okay, if Couturier is still available, they're taking Couturier. And I think that's even what everybody on TSN, every broadcaster was saying. Like, wow, the Jets are going to get Couturier. And then they shocked everybody and picked Mark Shifley. Projecting ahead, I guess they saw something in Shifley. Uh, took the gamble and it's paid off. Uh, now Mark Shifley is one of the elite players in the NHL and play, you know, and plays on one of those top lines in the NHL. So again, same kind of thing. Johnny Goudreau, is he going to be too small for the NHL game? I mean, the guy's been there a leading point here since he's been in the league essentially. Um, and is a perennial all-star. So it happens in sports, you know, it's like I've talked about it happens in poker. It's what separates the elite, um, from the rest. Uh, and even in business, uh, when you look at the big companies and the mistakes that big companies have made, a lot of times it's an overestimation of kind of false success for lack of a better term. Um, and you know, they end up belly up. Uh, I remember there was on the very first, uh, year of the celebrity apprentice, Gene Simmons was fired on the Kodak week on the Kodak uh, task. And he was the project manager and he went on a very specific thing and he went on this very different route for his advertising campaign and Kodak didn't like it. And they said, you know what? This is not what we want this. And he kept saying to them, he says, look, I built the biggest brand in rock and roll. Like I understand branding. I understand marketing. I, I am a self-made businessman. Like I'm a self-made success story. And he is. Um, and it's true. 
Kiss really was. They are a great story, and I um, if there's any great documentaries out there, I, you know that's a story in itself. And I think that might be the very next kind of rock and roll movie they go. They have the one with the Beatles songs coming out later this uh, year, which I want to see. I forget what it's called, um, but I could see that the Motley Crue one on um, Netflix. I think you're gonna see, and then of course the success that was Bohemian Rhapsody. Um, the next one I think will either be something like Kiss or uh, Guns N' Roses. Uh, I could see GNR wanting that. Their their popularity's resurged, uh, um, especially with the reunion. Uh, so I could I could see it, and to stay relevant, I mean, why would you let all that momentum you built go to nothing? So I I could see them. I could see a Zeppelin one, but I think Kiss is right up there as well for getting their own kind of documentary or biopic, uh, whatever you want to call it. Um, but yeah, Gene Simmons said, "Look, this is what you guys need to do, and whatever." And then the guy says, "No, this is this," and then he kind of said. With all due respect, I don't think you even understand your own business. And I mean, it takes balls to say that to someone. Um, and they were like, well, we don't appreciate whatever. And he said, like, I don't even think, you know, who knows? You guys might not even be around in five years. And from what I understand, they're not around anymore. Uh, you know, they made a bad guess there. And he had successfully projected ahead. I mean, and had they used it? And it's funny because it was like, why didn't they go with this, right? But anyway, it is what it is. Um, so that was a great business example. Um, the retail video stores like, uh, Rogers video block. Well, Rogers had expanded into other markets, right? They'd gotten into telecommunications and all of that. So Rogers knew to diversify. Um, and that's actually a great success story of the whole kind of renting video era. Uh, video stores were huge. Uh, whether it be the big chain ones or independent local mom and pop video stores. I remember as a kid, that was one of my big things was going and renting movies. Um, you know, I, I remember there always, you know, being video store here or video store there that we would always go to. Uh, and so it was a big change in my life to see the, the shutdown of that. Um, mind you, there was, there was significant flaws in the system, but whatever. But yeah. It was what it was, and video, I mean, even owning and buying DVDs and Blu-rays and all of this, I mean, Blu-ray had a good run, and it still is, but now all of a sudden with streaming, that's become the way. So, you know, we'll even see now if they start even, if they keep even making physical copies of movies anymore, if they, it just, everybody's kind of forced in the streaming way, and for people's convenience, you can just stream it, it's now available, it's had its theater run, boom, Stops on theaters on Fridays. On Monday, it's um, available to stream, right? I think that's kind of the move when you hear of Disney wanting to have its own streaming service and a lot of these other big companies having their own streaming services. That's probably the next step is being able to go from theater to your home in a shorter period of time. You're not waiting six months after the movie for it to come out, right? And I remember that was a big thing when I was growing up. Like, it would be like six months to a year. It seemed like forever. Uh, and now they can make these things more instantaneous. You know, because by that last week or so, you know, yeah, you get people on the subscription service now. So those are all things to consider and think about and look ahead. But the big um, thing I want to talk about was why the, the colossal failure in Blockbuster's part was I believe they were actually had the opportunity to buy Netflix, and amalgamated into their own business. And they chose not to because they said that technology is not going to go anywhere because people enjoy going to the movie store and running into people. They, that's the story I had heard. 
and I and I forget where I'd heard that, but it was from I think it was on maybe Joe Rogan's podcast. I'm not sure, but I heard it somewhere. It might have been uh, Gary V. Uh, I think might have even been the one talking about. But it's a pretty famous story that their marketing department or whatever it was, the powers that be, had made the decision that brick and mortar was gonna survive because people like going to the video store and running into their neighbors, running into a coworker. I don't know where the heck they came up with that. I can tell you this, even if that is true, and, and you have to be careful with market research um, in itself, but that's, that's a more academic um, subject matter and that's something we can get into. It deserves its own kind of episode. Um, but uh, to kind of graze on the subject, um, as I kind of put on my academic hat now, um, market research, you have to be very careful because sometimes your questioning and your surveying can lead to an answer that isn't entirely accurate. And that becomes that part of that projecting ahead, identifying the actual problem. Sometimes why teams are great to work with. One thing I learned in university is even though I felt I was a superstar student and could do everything myself, the great thing about teams um, that one of my professors taught me is everybody contributes in some way. And even if all they're contributing is bringing out your best, sometimes just having them around is worth it for that. And that's an important thing as well, is that if there aren't enough voices in there to have those discussions, can lead to some uh, not so successful roads and decisions. And I think that was a little bit of what you saw there. Uh, Rogers probably saw a different direction, like, hey, we got some time left here, but we need to quickly diversify and they did and now they're huge now they own like every canadian television station just about it seems like they control uh, um them and bell uh media basically control like all the sports channels i think so anyway uh they control like yeah sports and pretty much all all of tv you're gonna watch on a from a canadian, uh, on canadian channels you, uh, they control it um blockbuster didn't because they felt that that desire and like of running into people was so strong that was going to be the strong point um no matter how much people liked running into each other they didn't like it as much as they liked the idea of never having late fees the hate of late fees trumps well for um or defeats uh the idea of running into people my desire to run into people does not outweigh my hate of late fees and late fees were such an erosion on people's wallets. I remember myself, I remember my poor mom, uh, how bad we were for late. And I mean, with people's busy schedules, right? I mean, again, it would have, I was raised by a single mom. That was, you know, we didn't have time to always get to the video store on time. Um, and as I've gotten older and seen myself, you know, the, the you know, t life is tiring and as a grown up. You don't always have time and, and you do forget things. And I wish, you know, and I, when my mom listens to this episode, and yes, I'm proud to say my mom is a subscriber to my podcast. Um, I do really appreciate that. Um, so thank you. And I love you for that. Um, and I do appreciate, you know, the fact that my mom was always so willing um, to make it work, you know, and I can just imagine how much she probably just hated it at times and how hard it must have been at times. Uh, it's, it's not easy. So uh, thank you, mom, for that. Love you. Uh, but, um, but I've, you know, and that goes back to a previous episode I did. If you have the chance to check it out on appreciating those that have made the time for you um, in your life, that's very important that we take the time for them back. 
but anyway, yeah. So late fees were a huge erosion on people's wallets. And I think they, you know, again, that ability to say, hey, wait a minute, more people are working and they're having kids, time, hey, late fees, well, why not, right? Monetize it. You also had control of the market. So late fees disappeared. Netflix came in. That, and, and now there's one remaining blockbuster in the entire planet. So, I mean, it just goes to show you, again, how being able to project ahead is, is huge. It's absolutely huge. You know, it's like I say when I go to the gym or when, you, when you're training for things. You're not training for right now. I'm training for that next stage. I'm getting my body ready for that next stage to do what it needs to do to get where it needs to go to get to where I, it can truly be. It's step after step after step. You want to be taking in forward motions and you want to be seeing that. And that's kind of where you always want to be, you know, and not everybody's end point or end goal has to be the same. I'm not saying that at all. Not everybody has to be a professional poker player or a professional hockey player or a doctor or a dentist or a lawyer or a nurse, whatever your end point is, but you always want to be taking steps to take the right to be on that path to get to where it is you need to be or are going to be. You know, always make sure that that's the steps you're taking now get you to that next step to get you to that next step to get you to that end goal. Make sure you're doing that. Um, if that's the takeaway you get from today's episode. Anyway, uh, I, I want to thank you all so much for tuning into this episode of the Seems Legit podcast. Uh, big shout out to all our friends, uh, all of you. Um, thank you again for, uh, as I said, the continuing growing support here on the podcast. Big shout out to all our friends of the podcast, B-Boys Honey. Great honey, uh, locally made, sourced here in Manitoba. You can find it just about anywhere now. Uh, really proud of them. Really happy for them. Uh, they're close friends of ours, so very proud of them. Uh, also here in Winnipeg, we got Selfix Doctors located at 666 St. James Street. Please visit them for any cell phone, tablet, and screen repair needs you might have. Mention the Seems Legit podcast and receive 10% off. Also here in Winnipeg, we got Skin Dimensions Tattoos. Go check them out. Um, Kelly and Glenn... Uh, Go check them up for your tattooing. Uh, Claire, for any of your piercing needs. Uh, she also does infant piercing of ears. Um, great. Uh, she's great with kids. Uh, they love her. Uh, all of them in that shop are wonderful people, so check that out. Uh, we've also got, <clears throat> pardon me, uh, Zero Gravity Games down in Fayetteville, Georgia. Uh, please visit them for any used, rare, and vintage gaming needs you might have. Uh, while you're there, also make sure to say a big hi from Sunny D uh, to Ronnie Mac and to Justin. Uh, also, uh, and, uh, last but not least, uh, if you haven't already done so, uh, give my boys over at the Vegas squares podcast, uh, a listen, uh, if you're into sports talk, uh, it's a purely sports talk, uh, podcast, but they do a great job with it. It's sports talk by sports fans for sports fans. It's the sports fans kind of, you know, perspective. They do a great job. I've guessed it on the show. I've been fortunate enough. They've been very generous on having me on the show before. So big shout out to them. Also want to give a big shout out and thank you to uh, Mitch Calvert over at Mitch Calvert Fitness. Um, check out his content if you haven't. Uh, a lot of great useful advice um, for the everyday kind of working professional looking to just take better control of their health and fitness. Great viable content. Great guy. Uh, huge shout out. And uh, last but not least, Jess, love you. Thank you for everything. Take care and bye-bye for now.